What's up, Elite Army? This is your kind of well, kind of toxic host, Sarah Rittendale, bringing you another episode of Well-ish. Dr. Jane Tornator, welcome to Wellish. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Thank you. I am delighted to be talking with you. Yay, me too. I I really, I so like I was saying to you, I've talked to people about body image. I've talked, we've talked about relationships, but I really want to get into the nitty gritty about mental and the mindset that goes into self-love and what better person to talk to about than you, a self-love expert. So <laughs> I'd love to get into it. But uh, I really like for my guests to introduce themselves. I think it really gives paints a better picture than I would probably be able to for who you are and what you do and what we're going to be talking about. So if you don't mind. Okay, awesome. I'm, um, I'm, uh, I call myself a brain geek and a self-love expert because that stuff just thrills me out of my bones. Like I can talk about them forever. Right, you too. Yeah. Same. <laughs> I'm a, professionally, I'm a, a therapist and a coach, and I wrote a book, and I'm now writing my second one for women over forty. So I basically I love to work with people like I do with myself to kind of find blocks that are blocking our our love, mm-hmm. and then clearing them and through loving them. Basically, we all learn to hate ourselves into self love, and that's exactly the opposite of what is helpful. Yeah. So I find the block, like that's my superpower. I'm like, oh, here's what's blocking you. And people are like, oh yeah. And then we, we work to help them love it and clear it so they can, the way I like to think about it is like the older I get and the more I work on myself, the more I'm coming to who I essentially am before I was hurt. Okay. Let's create these shells, right? And so sure. we protect ourselves, make sure that doesn't happen again. And oh my God, that looks familiar. <laughs> Right. So we, we, we close ourselves off. And when we do that, we not only protect ourselves safe from our past and perhaps our present and future, but we also cut ourselves off from our essential nature and goodness. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's sure. what I like to. I love that. So I, I like to think that, you know, we never, not that we never loved ourselves, but that you always had to learn how to love yourself, that like, there's not necessarily a point that you stopped loving yourself. It was always something we had to learn. But what do you think? Do you think that? I think it's almost like we have to unlearn how we learn not to love ourselves. Like okay, a that's a great way of putting that. Right? A baby doesn't come in, in the world and go, I don't know, is it okay to ask to be fed? I don't know. Don't change my diapers. You've already done it 16 <laughs> times. Like they're just like, I need this stuff, right? They're not worried <laughs> about if they're worthy. They're right. just like, I have needs. I will let you know. And we regenerate the I'm safe in the world when our needs are consistently met, not hundred percent, but consistently. And when mm-hmm. the needs are, when we're little, little, littles, when they aren't met consistently, that's when we start going, well, why am I not getting it is about like, what's, what's wrong with me that this is happening? Why, why did she yell at me? Why am I alone? Like we start Mm -hmm. to try to figure out and because we don't have a fully formed brain, we, it has to be about us. Mm -hmm. Like we are the only things we can control at that time. So Mm -hmm. it has to be our fault because if it's our fault, we can fix it. We think, right. Yes, absolutely. But that's, that's, that's what we do to feel a sense of safety in the world. So it's really unlearning the, all the ways that we had to make ourselves bad to explain 
the wackiness of the world that we experience, even with the best family and parenting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just stuff that happens and we don't know. So we make stories about it with an unformed brain. Absolutely. Oh my God. I love how you word that. So it kind of makes me think of what you said when you started about how you have people address like or uh, unblock these areas. Can you explain that a little bit further about your process, about how you help people attain self-love? Well, it's, it's kind of a dance. I've got some things that I work with every single client and myself all the time. And it's repetitive, 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 because it it takes a long time to unlearn what we're learning. Sometimes, sometimes it's fast, but often it's just a lot of repetition. So there's some core aspects I cover, but really the dance is when, when we can find our blocks, when we're connecting or we're trying to connect or we're trying to go for something we want. And then we hear that inner message. We feel that feeling in our body that says, don't do that. It's going to be bad. People are going to judge you. You're going to fail. It's going to be awful, right? That, that's our block. So as soon as we talk about what we want, as soon as we're connecting and really feeling the connection and the care and these, what I call inhibitors come up to go, this is bad. You got to run away. You got to close your eyes. You got to leave. Okay, I got to go, right? Those are inhibitors. That's what we learn to keep ourselves safe, which keep us from connecting to others and ourselves. So in the work, just by connecting with people, they come up and then we bring them to awareness and we create a sense of safeness. Like, I'm okay. I'm feeling really scared right now, but I'm okay. Like I work with clients with something um, called SIMS, Complex Integration of Multiple Brain Systems, which is an awesome paradigm. But basically it's hyper connection with sustained eye contact. And you will find all the, all the traumas that have come up through being hurt by relating with other people. They'll come up in the session. How bizarre. That's so cool. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's, um, there's something called Hebb's law, which is neurons that fire together, wire together. So I remember when I was in grad school, I read a study that found when we're depressed, depressed memories are easy to come up, right? Depressed memories are easy to recall. When we're happy, happy memories are easy to recall. So when we've got something firing, memories or thoughts or situations that are similar are like, hey, you might need us. So they light up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when you're talking about self-love, when we focus on how to speak more kindly, how to see our situation and our actions with more compassion and kindness, the more we do that, the more we will fire other times of compassion and kindness. So we will build those neural pathways. Mm-hmm. So while some of this feels like super magical, if once you know a little bit about the brain, you're like, oh, I'm just using how my brain works to help me do this faster. Yes. I think that's one of the biggest things that I learned is that when you actually take a moment to learn about the functions of the brain and how it really works, it makes it make so much more sense. Yes. Because like that, what you just said reminds me of how you think, okay, I'm not good enough. And so then you look for all of the examples about how you're not good enough. That is insane. Exactly. Exactly. So that's the reticulator activating system, RAC. Um, is what that's about. When we chew ourselves with I'm not good enough, the unconscious is searching the environment, exactly what you said, for things that match that belief. When we are cueing our conscious with, well, I'd like to feel good enough, 
Or Mm -hmm. if we really can and feel good about it, I I am good enough. And that feels like a good statement. Then our brain is going to be, our unconscious is just going to be searching for evidence of I'm good enough, right? Yes. So that's exactly it. When we cue ourselves with these little things again and again, it's just a practice. Mm -hmm. Then we are literally training our brain to search for what we want to believe versus what we learn to believe. Completely. So why do you think so many people struggle with self-love? Because they're taking in all that stuff and learning all those things? I think so. I think that, um, well, one, before the age of seven, we don't have our ability to think critically on board. Like from the age of zero to two, um, we are basically in delta waves in the brain, which is just like, I'm experiencing the world. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry. I will cry. I'm tired. I will cry. I see a fuzzy thing. I will pet it and laugh. Like we're just experiencing the world. Yes. From two to seven, we're in um, theta waves, which is the waves our brain is in when we're under hypnosis. So it's not a critical thinking. It's like, this is happening. This is why we can believe in the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. You said two to seven? Two to seven. Wow. Yeah. That's so many, what I would think. Right? So many of our core beliefs are formed pre-seven. They are just truths. They are just truths. We don't question them. They're just truths, right? So it takes being conscious and going, why did I, why did I think that was true? Like, I remember I was in grad school and I was listening to this expert on a child psychology. Like she was the expert. She's up on the stage and she said, um, kids are not equivalent to their actions. They're not good if they do good actions and bad if they do bad actions. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I know she's the expert and everything, but she's wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that is what I was thinking. The expert on the stage is wrong, but I was smart enough to go. No, she is the expert on the stage and you're a student sitting in the, you might want to think about what she's saying. (laughs) And that's when it hit me that I learned, and my parents never said this to me, right? But I learned that if I do something bad, I am bad. Yeah. Shame, right? Guilt is, oh God, I screwed up. I got to fix that bummer. That's guilt. That's great. That Mm -hmm. helps us repair and not do things again. Shame just makes us feel bad and it doesn't help us do anything except close in and feel worse about Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I just believed. And when I was growing up, I hope they don't say it anymore. But when I was growing up, people said, bad girl, don't do that. They didn't say that behavior is not okay. Stop that now. They said, bad girl, don't do that. So that's what I learned as bad. That's what I was going to ask you is like, what's a good example of healthy, but saying like this behavior is not good. Love you. This behavior is not acceptable. Love that. I love that. Love you, but this behavior is not okay. Yes. Can I share with you the three things that I wish every child would hear and that is still so important to say to ourselves? Like, if we heard this constantly, there would be no problem with self love. Oh my God. You know, all, yeah. If we loved ourselves, the pain in the world would not exist. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so there's the three things. When we're having a hard feeling, like if you see a toddler crying, hopefully, here's what would happen. Oh, honey, I see you're having a really hard time. You're having some really big feelings here. I see that you validate, right? You're having a feeling, your feelings matter. Yes. You don't say stop crying or I'll hit you. Like that's not helpful. You validate, you're having a hard time. Two, you've got this, this will pass. 
right? Yes. Making sure they know they're capable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you help give them tools for self-soothing and holding those big emotions, right? Yes. And then the third is, I love you. You are way more than this feeling. I love you and I'm here with you. Can you imagine? Oh my God. It would be, it would change the world. Like you said. That's yes. awesome. Yes. That's insane. Yeah. I, and I mean, that's, I think, yes, I, like it's so good to know that for children, but obviously it's so good to just know that for yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. In general, or like who to look for in a significant other or who to look for in your friends. Like who's going to make you feel that way? Yeah. Tear you down. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that great? Where do we learn our how to love ourselves, do you think? That's a great question. Anywhere we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> um, I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Right. I read Brene Brown's um gifts of imperfection about five times in five years. Mm-hmm. I surround myself with people who say how I want to be. And I just hear it. And so by repeatedly hearing it, um, I, my brain gets the message, oh, this is normal. This is okay. This is not weird. This is attainable. Mm-hmm. And then through when we are paying attention to how other people talk to ourselves, to themselves and to us, mm-hmm. we gravitate towards those people. Those people who say mean things or gossip, you're like, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And then, so when we notice when we're saying mean things or gossiping, we can go, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. How would I rather be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically anywhere we can, books are my favorite thing because I love books. Yeah, me too. I agree with you. And I, I think that too, it's an interesting point because it is surrounding yourself with those words so that you know that they're possible. I like that you say that because yeah. it totally just makes me think, you know, going back to the concept of these sub seven that you're in school, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to, you know, do all of these things. And you have people in your ear that don't make you feel good and aren't doing those three things for you. It makes sense why that's also a place that you're picking up how to love yourself, but you're learning how to not love yourself as you put it at the beginning. Exactly. And I was one of those kids with ADHD and dyslexia. So I was always bopping around the classroom. So Mm -hmm. I was always told to sit down, be quiet. And then, right. And I so relate to that. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was super smart. So I could still get the stuff, even though my brain wasn't um, working so well. But I was always getting unsatisfactory remarks. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine? Unsatisfactory. You are unsatisfied. Like, that's a nice message to give a little kid who's just trying to sit in her desk. Right? Yes, completely. Oh, my God. I had a teacher one time that told me I wasn't allowed to ask questions. I asked too many questions. Isn't that insane? I know. <laughs> I think I was in fifth grade, which just blows my mind. Um, And then same thing, always getting like you talk too much and doing all these things. And it's interesting because like in my life now, now I've helped heal it more, but I did feel like I couldn't speak up. Like I was too afraid to say anything. And it's like, is that why? (laughs) Because I'm getting these messages that I'm bad at such a young age. Yes. Yes, exactly. So bizarre. So bizarre. I think about it too. I had a teacher when I was in second grade that told me, oh, I think you're, you're going to need to go to summer school for math. And to this day, I'm very bad at math because it's like, you got these messages. Yes. And it's so, that's so like eye opening to just think about all of these things that, you know, you know that they're a thing, but you've never been able to really connect the dots. And obviously it's really helpful to fix things when you know where they're coming from. So 
That's yeah, is super helpful for compassion. I think sometimes we get stuck if I have to find out why I think this way, and then that's where our focus is versus, okay, so I think this way. I'm not sure why. And I don't want to think this way anymore. Here's how I want to think. Like with the whole math thing, so many girls learn that they shouldn't be good at math. It's just so sad. But like, I would like to feel like I'm good at math. I would actually like to have a different opinion. So we just talk to ourselves and not like, I'm good at math if we don't believe it, right? Because then we're like, I'm lying to myself. I remember when I first learned about affirmations, <laughs> I hated them. Yeah. I hated it. Because I would say I was just out of grad school. I was in complete debt. I wasn't happy. I was depressed. And I was reading this book by Wayne Dyer. And he said, your thoughts determine your life. So how you think is how you live. And I'm like, I am so screwed. Literally, I'm screwed. And I put the book down because I said, okay, I'm going to do this affirmation. I'm fabulously wealthy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You're saying the affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. So, but then I finally learned, and there's a woman, oh my goodness, I love her. Dana Wild. She wrote a book, Train Your Brain. Okay. Um, which is for people who are entrepreneurs, but it works for anybody. But basically she was the first person who mentioned affirmations. And I'm like, oh, those actually feel good when I say them. They stretch me when I say them. Mm-hmm. I see possibilities when I say them. So it's stuff like, uh, well, you know, I want to be good at math. If that feels like bad, well, I want to want to be good at math or it'd be nice to feel good. I like the idea of being good. at. So we just say it in a way that kind of brings our possibility brain on board completely completely and I so agree with you that I I hate the idea of positive self-talk rainbows and butterflies it just it doesn't work because you don't believe it and how are you supposed to build self-trust by lying to yourself it's not gonna work so completely saying something that's realistic it makes sense yeah or even what we want right yes Yes. I think one of the things that I see again and again is when I ask my clients, what do you want? Or when somebody asks me that, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like we aren't taught to, to think about what we want. We're taught to think about what will keep us safe, what other people want, which will keep us safe and not mm-hmm. you know, irritate people or disappoint people or make them or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So we don't have time or even the space to think, what do I want? So we can say, I, I want to feel good at math. I like that idea a lot. That's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And it starts to trigger that reticulator activating system. It's okay to want things. Yes. It's okay to want things. <laughs> yes. Uh, completely. And and again, it just goes back to the to the learned habits that you're bad if you do that. It's yes. so interesting how it yeah. reverts back. What would you say are some common misconceptions about self-love that you encounter? Oh yeah, self-love is selfish. Mm, okay. I was self-love is selfish. Yeah. That's it's Okay, so here, one of my specialties is Alzheimer's, and I've worked with caregivers, geez, for decades. Mm-hmm. Not once when I've worked with a caregiver to take more care of themselves, not once have they said, Jane, you know, now that I'm spending more time taking care of myself, being kinder to myself, having more compassion for myself, I'm a worse caregiver. Like, not once. Every single time they're like, I'm kinder, I'm calmer, I'm more patient. I'm a better caregiver. I'm like, right? Mm -hmm. This is how it works. When we are filled, we naturally are generous. We naturally want to give to others. When we are filled, it it creates no pain or deficit, Mm -hmm. right? 
So self-love actually, once we experience it and once people experience it, they get it, they're like, oh, right. They don't believe it until they actually see it in action though. But once we experience how we just naturally are kinder to others, we're like, oh, and that came from loving myself more. It always happens. It all, when we love ourselves more, we find we are more loving to others. That's always. So yeah. it's not selfish. It's the opposite. Right. The second misconception about self-love is, and I'm glad you asked that because I had this, make sure to mention this to Sarah. Um, <laughs> I read a, I read a um, book, The Trance of Scarcity. And uh, I read this sentence. This was only like a month ago. It blew my mind. Receiving, and you can put receiving love, receiving is not about being worthy. Instead, it's about being open. And I'm like, what? It's not about being worthy. I have been on a worthy path, worthy of my love, helping people feel worthy of their love and other people's love for a lot, for years and years and years. And I'm like, that's the wrong path. It's not about proving we're worthy. It's about being open to receiving or not. When we're feeling, am I worthy? We automatically go to our brain. We're like, is this okay to receive this? Am I good enough to receive this? Is this not good enough? Does this show that they don't really value me? What do I have to give back? Is it safe to receive? What will they expect? Like we're in our brain doing these mental machinations. So we can't receive whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah, because we're busy here determining if we're worthy. If we're just open, we can go, do I want to receive this? Do I not want to receive this? The things that blow my mind so much about this kind of stuff is how common sense it seems once you realize it. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, duh. But I never thought of that. That is so true. I didn't either. I didn't either. Oh my God, that's insane. You're just like trying to figure out or how to make yourself worthy, how to love yourself enough so you can see your self-worth. And it's not about that. It's just, it is or it isn't. Can you receive it? Yes or no? Yes. That's insane. That's crazy. I love that one. My God. Yeah. What would you say are some signs that we, that indicate that we need to prioritize our self-care more? Do I follow that question or do I give my, my tool? I will say to anybody I talk to from right. Give your tool. So can you hold that question and remind me? Yes. Again? Cause it brought this up. Okay. So if I were queen of the world, mm-hmm. I would ban should, must have to need and got us. Yes. Yes. Right. Because they create stress and they are how most of us learn to motivate ourselves. Can you say the list one more time? Should, must, have to, need, and I gotta. Love it. I gotta do that. So are you willing to do an experiment with me? Of course I am. Yes. Awesome. Great. And anybody who's listening, I would ask you to do it because really we don't, we don't use tools unless we can experience that they work. So theoretically, it's a great idea. And then we're like, yeah, and I've got 16 other theoretical ideas to put into place. So I'm not. So if you can, in this moment, as we're doing that, practice and see how this feels for you. Okay, so um, you can either say out loud or, or not something that you should or have to do, because we all have them. Edit this podcast afterwards. Awesome. So say I need, should, what's the word you often use? I should edit the podcast afterwards so that I'm done for when my mom gets here this weekend. Great. Close your eyes. What do you feel in your body? Tenseness. Yeah. Where do you feel it? Like my throat, upper chest area. Great. Beautiful. Okay. Now open your eyes. 
Now say either one of these two. It'd be a good idea or it'd be helpful to edit this podcast. It would be helpful to edit this podcast so that I'm done so that I don't have to worry about it when my mom's here this weekend. Great. Close your eyes. What do you feel? A sense of ease. Right. 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 (laughs) You know, it's crazy because I love what you said about how you have to like do it in order for you to see that it's real because you You don't don't apply these things. But it will be super helpful to see if it works for you or not. Absolutely. Because like you say, and I'm sure you experience this because you're a reader too, is that you, you know, you read all the books, you get all the tools, you think all the things and, but then it's like, you use it to make you feel better when things come up, but you're not actually using it in the circumstance. Yes. (laughs) I love that. That was a good one. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you said, what are signs that we are not loving ourselves? That indicate that we need to prioritize self-love. Okay, great. So if you say the word should, must have to negata a lot, that means it's almost always like this external prioritization. So when we get rid of those, often when we're not loving ourselves, we are driven by urgency and no choice. I have to do this to be worthy. I have to do this to be loved. I have to do this to be successful. I have to do this to have like there's this uh, there's this forced march kind of aspect to it. But um, when we can say it would be helpful or it's a good idea, we come into the instead of on the external. This is what needs to be done so I am okay and safe and worthy. It comes to the internal. Well, what do I want to do? What feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it's during this time of year, my favorite example always is taxes because taxes is something we have to do. Well, not really. We will not die if we don't do taxes. However, we don't like the consequences if we don't do taxes, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You worry if you get audited, it would be awful, but mostly we worry, right? So the consequences are not helpful. So if we can go, it is helpful for me to do taxes because then I will stop worrying. Mm -hmm. I'll be be happy. Then we are literally giving ourselves a sense of choice there versus here's another obligation because I'm living on this earth. Like <laughs> life becomes all about obligation versus, well, what do I want and what will be helpful for me, yeah. which can include taxes and going to work and paying bills. But we feel we, if we switch our mindset on it of like, I feel so good now I've paid my bills. Now I know I have $5 to the end of the month, but I know, and I know how to use that $5 wisely. Right. I mean, I was literally at a point where I had $10 at the end of the month. Yeah. And I had to figure out how to use it. Or that's if I'm being that. transparent with you, that actually happened to me and my boyfriend last night. We went grocery shopping and uh, we thought we had more money than we did. We went out to the car and we were standing at the trunk, calculating the whole receipt, trying to figure out. And I, we were both like tense and upset as we're loading the car with the groceries yeah. we just bought. And then I said to him, I said, but. We got a lot of stuff that we like. We got beer. We got fabric, uh, Febreze, freshener stuff. We've got, you know, good food. We got chips. We got steak. Like we got a lot of good stuff. So being able to switch nice. that mindset. Yes. And that sure. brings you right into choice, mm-hmm. right? That brings you right into choice. So another thing that signals that we are not loving ourselves is just how we talk to ourselves in general. Like if we're always criticizing ourselves. Mm-hmm. To try to be better. Like, here's the here's the huge irony. We, crit- our, we criticize ourselves because we want to be better people. Yeah. Right? But we actually make ourselves feel worse 
when the motivation really is to like, how cool is it that we want to be better people? Right. Yeah. There's a story I heard one time by a woman named Pema Chodron, who I just love to bits. She's such a human. She's a, I think she's a, a Buddhist monk and she's so human and so, so wise and so loving. And she told a story about how, imagine you're um, driving to San Francisco and I'm, I'm based in Seattle. So imagine I get in the car in Seattle and I get to Oregon and I'm like, why am I not at San Francisco yet? What is wrong with me? She's, I've been driving for hours and I'm not in San Francisco. Like, that's what we're doing versus, hey, I've been in the car for four hours. I'm four hours farther. San Francisco is down there, but I'm on my way to San Francisco. That's a kind way to, and, and actually more truthful way to speak to ourselves instead of like, what's wrong? And it is as insane to say, why am I not at San Francisco yet? Yes. When we're working to make ourselves better people, or I would rephrase it to coming back to more of our essence. Okay. So let me challenge you here because when you said that, my thought is that it it's easier for me to beat myself up because it's stuff happening in my brain. Like I don't, I can't predict the future. I don't know right, right. where I'm going to get in my life. Where like, I know I'll get to San Francisco. Does that make sense? Cause it's like physical compared to it is. physical, but well, I'm glad you said that. I said, I said the physical to make the point super obvious because when it's in sure. our brain, it feels true. Mm-hmm. It feels as true as driving to San Francisco when it's mm-hmm. in our brain. It isn't like, Oh yeah, this is, I'm just making this up. This is an old story. I learned to be safe. No, it's like, this is true. It's mm-hmm. as right. true as I'm on my way to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So it's not as true, but it feels as true. Okay. So it, it and that's the thing is that it, it, it is, it can be because you're working to get there. Yes. Right? Okay. No, yes. 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 Exactly. Okay. And okay. we never, never, we may never get to San Francisco. Right. We may never get to the point we think we should be to be a good person. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. Maybe you stop it. somewhere else along the way and find your happiness there. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I decided to go to Florida instead. Like we don't know. Yeah. But in our brain, and when we're talking to ourselves, when we're, repeating these stories it feels like a big t truth mm-hmm. it's yeah. unchangeable and it doesn't motivate us to change yeah for sure absolutely yeah i agree because it's like that like my brain went to feeling good enough or stopping people pleasing or being able to set yes. boundaries but yeah. a com- yeah. completely it's still because when i said it to you i, I kind of caught myself as i was saying it out loud is that it's like well but that's a physical thing but technically all of that stuff is too because you have to practice setting boundaries and it's not going to go exactly how you pictured in your head when you begin to set the boundaries you're going to screw it up and you're going to get better at it and then you're going to be able to start setting them and get to san francisco exactly yeah, and I love that you brought up boundaries because that is one of the key ways we can love ourselves more. Mm-hmm. Right? When one of my favorite tools for knowing if I'm crossing my own boundary is if I'm resentful. Oh, okay. Yeah, resentment is a great tool of like, I'm doing more than I really want to be doing. And if they don't respond exactly right, I'm going to be really, really pissed off. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's true. That's a good resentment one. is like, oh, I'm crossing my own boundary. Mm hmm. I like so, that idea, and, crossing yeah. your own boundary. Yes, because once we become adults, right? For, and for most cases, we decide yes or no, is this boundary okay or not? We, just, mm-hmm. we decide I'm going to go for this or I'm going to 
I'm going to say, no, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or we're, if, if we're in a situation where we have to do something for work or something, we can figure out how to come in alignment or say, Hey, this way isn't okay. Can we make it this way? Yeah. So boundaries. And for me, I didn't learn boundaries as a kid, like boundaries were not a thing in our family. So I've been doing boundaries for years, at least 15 years, like consciously creating my boundaries. I still have to self-soothe. Mm-hmm. I still go, oh yeah, they might be mad at me. Yeah, they might be, but I will be resentful if I do this. So I'm not going to do it. Yes. And sure. so boundaries are a huge act of self-love. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah. And this is another, it's not selfish. When we are free to say no, we're much more able to say yes. Because when we aren't allowed boundaries for ourselves, we will, oh God, if I say this, then they'll want this, and then I'll have to do that, and then they'll want that, and I'll do this. And so we go, no, get away, versus I'll do this, and then I'm done. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Feeling like you can, you've done enough and that's okay. Yeah. And they can want more, and you can say, no, thanks. That doesn't work for me. Yeah, right. Self-soothe, self-soothe, right? Yes, yes, yes. I love that you brought up too that even you, who is an expert in this, still gets uncomfortable because it's not something that you had your whole life. Mm -mm. It's a pre-seven belief. Yeah, that's great. Pre-seven. Pre-seven belief. That's a life changer right there. (laughs) I swear to God, that's insane. Okay, so I'm curious. I feel like when we spend so much time beating ourselves up and our brains just start to operate on that negative track that it can be hard to start to come off of it, that it's hard to even think about how it's possible to love ourselves. So I'm curious what you would say some realistic first steps are when you're starting to rewire your brain towards self-love. Awesome. Well, the first step is compassion because our brains are Velcro for negative and Teflon for positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. That's how we are wired. Yeah. Because back in the savannas, you know, when we're just basically trying to survive, it was the people who were always looking for danger, always looking for the bad. They were the ones who lived. They were the ones who heard the tigers. They were the ones who got the food. And so they could have some and not starve all winter. Like the people who were like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this stuff. They were the ones who lived. So yeah. we are wired to search for what will kill us. And these days, a negative email message in our brain will kill us, right? It's the same wiring, right? So we are wired to look for the bad. So just know that. So when you think constant negative thoughts, yeah, right. Like there are studies that show we think anywhere from 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day. At least 70% of them are the same repetitive thoughts as we thought before at least 70% of them are negative. That's insane. That's normal. That's That's insanity. (laughs) I know. It's a little bit of a struggle. So first, self-compassion, like, oh my God. So a lot of self-compassion. Second is we learn new habits by practice and wiring it in on our brain. Like every time we do something, every time we feel something, every time we think of something, it's creating the neural pathway in the brain and it's myelinating it and it's making it stronger. So by practicing these kinder, more compassionate, um, I get to want kind of things, we are building those pathways so they're easier to access in the future. So even though the negative ones are by default, and if we don't do anything, we will slip back to those puppies. The positive is a practice. 
And we just keep practicing and it will build and it will be easy to just keep doing it. And it is a practice and it is lifelong. And that's okay because we're worth it. Right. (laughs) Yes. I I have two thoughts with that. My first one is that it's interesting how um, the the caveman brain, I'm so like, I've been so into the caveman brain lately and how it, it is so, it's just, it is how it is. Kind of like how we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is just knowing how your brain works and that is how your brain works. And mm-hmm. I think that it's interesting because when you know that, it almost, even if your brain is so mean to you and you're so on a negative track, you can say, I'm doing this because I, to protect myself, I'm doing yes. this to keep me out of harm's way. So it's almost like yes. you can love yourself through that. That, yes. That's so cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't remember what I have, I've had two thoughts and I don't remember what my second one was, but I love that. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, I love it. I think that it's so interesting because I just, I can picture myself, people in my life, people that listen to the podcast, just, I can picture them just being like, well, it's just never going to happen. I, I, there's no way, there's no way that I'd fully be able to, to get to that place. And it just, I know what my second thought was, it was the experiment. It's that it's, it helps you if you can start to practice it, if you can just do it, like just for fun, just for shits and giggles, like who cares? Just try yeah. to be self-compassionate. Because we're worthy just by being open to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, it's that it's you'll you'll see that you'll experience that you'll experience that shift within yourself like we yes. did in our experiment. Yeah, you I was out working with a client last week, very, very, very negative, and she was in her 60s. And she said, I thought I was broken. I thought I was never going to be able to have compassion and love myself. Like she literally thought she was a lost case. But just by doing, taking little actions and again and again just saying the kind thing, looking for a different way to respond. She now realizes she's not broken. Like there's hope and she's 60. Yes. It can happen for anybody, right? Yes, that's Absolutely. awesome. Anybody. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So one of the things, an image I came up recently that I love to describe this kind of concept of like, I'm broken, is often we don't take ownership. Like a lot of us feel like victims, well, he shouldn't have done that. Why did they do that? They're me. Like we all have these, like, if you would just be this way, I'd be happy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's a victim mindset. You determine my happiness. That's victim mindset, right? It's not bad. It's just what we learned. And here, I just realized the other day why it's so sticky, that victim. Because victim is, I'm constantly going, Jane, you are not a victim to what is happening right now. But what I realized is why it's such a sticky belief and concept is um, if we think we're broken, if we think we're just basically flawed, which many of us who don't love ourselves feel, that's that's something that I still every once in a while shows up and I'm like, I'm, I'm broken. Mm-hmm. No, Jane, you aren't broken. You're having a hard time now. These are big feelings. You've got tools. I love you. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. do that. Thing. But I still it's still it's pre seven. Right. But um the image I came up with was like, imagine you're on the dock with a sailboat. You got a group of your friends there and there, and you look out at the sea and there's a storm and they're all looking at you going, well, you're going to take us out and keep us safe, right? You're going to captain the ship. And you're like, I don't know how to sail. I, don't, I cannot, I'm cannot be in charge here because I don't know how to sail. You will all die 
including me <laughs> if I'm in charge, right? So it's easier to say, well, it's other people's fault. If we feel we're flawed, it is an attempt to be safe to make it somebody else's fault or somebody else's, if somebody does just this, I'll be okay, right? Yeah, it's sure. actually a safety mechanism we learned. So everybody isn't going to die in the boat, including yeah, us. Sure. So when I thought about that, I was like, wow, no wonder it's we blame others for stuff that we could actually start to influence because yeah. it actually makes us feel safe because we're in charge. We're going to die. Right. Three, seven. Three, seven. That is insane. I mean, and again, such a good mindset shift. It, it makes it seem I like how you said that you're not bad for it. It's just this learned habit because then yeah. it's like you hear that and you learn that and you're like, okay, like it's not the end of the world. I can, I can fix it. I can take responsibility for myself, take accountability for myself and, and create the life that I want to live. Yeah. And I will screw up because I will screw up because I'm human and I'll figure out how to fix that too. Yeah. Right. Skills. I keep building more and more skills. Right. Absolutely. I love that. What would you say is a an effective technique to foster self-acceptance? An effective technique to foster. Well, that should, must have to need seriously. That yeah. will, given 60 to 90,000 thoughts a day, mm-hmm. you do that, you will start to foster self-acceptance. One thing I love, and I learned this from Tara Brock, another Buddhist, is... I'm not Buddhist. I just happen to listen to Buddhist. Buddhism has so many good messages. I love it too. I totally know. <laughs> um, I put my hands on my heart when I'm hurting or I'm judging myself and go, oh, honey, you're hurting. I see you. And that I do. I do multiple times a day. Oh, honey, you're having a hard time. I see you. I'm here. Right. Like the kid. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. That's insane. I see you. These are hard feelings. You got this. These will pass. You are more than these feelings. That. That is the tip to take away. <laughs> that is so good. I cannot even believe it. I love it. Oh. So can I ask you, is it possible to love yourself a hundred percent? Do you think? I don't think so. Not given how our brain is. Mm-hmm. Because it's wired for negativity. It is literally wired. Um, What is possible is we can keep loving ourselves more and more and more and more until we die. Yeah. That is possible. Because what the really cool thing is, the more we uncover the hurts and the the shields and all the armor, the more there is to love. Yes. 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 It's so true. Oh, Jane, you're awesome. I'm obsessed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, to wrap things up, I like to play a game with my guests called Kind of okay. Toxic, Kind of Well. Okay. Um, it I like to play it because I typically am talking to people that seemingly have it all together and right? <laughs> about <laughs> that, that it's it's not always that way. So I think it really highlights it. It's never <laughs> that way. <laughs> and I think that because most of the people I talk to are pretty healed, they have a good way of spinning the things that people could maybe lean into the toxicity in a, like a positive light. So however you want to answer the question, be my guest. I'm totally here for any answer. Great. Okay. Okay. Ready? Yes. What or who are you jealous of? My first thought was everyone. Um, (laughs) I'm jealous of the people who 
to be able to post on social media a lot. Oh, okay. Good one. Yeah. What, how do you have the skill to be able, because I, that is not my, like I've got a, a, what I call my newsletters, a love notes list. I post sporadically, like basically when I'm inspired or some tool or I've got some resource or I'm offering something I share then it's not a weekly and I, God bless the people who can be weekly. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. So I'm jealous of people who can get, be consistent. <laughs> I'm <love. laughs> uh, when is the last time you people pleased instead of doing or saying what you really wanted? <gasps> wow. That's a great question. I was with my partner and I was trying, he was going to be coming over and was trying to decide, do I take some time and meditate before, or do I pick up my place first? Mm-hmm. So it'll be later when he comes. Mm-hmm. I picked up my place I and I meditated that. for three minutes, but I made myself stop for this. It was like, stop now. It's good enough. Just meditate for three minutes. So it was a little of both. I love that. <laughs> Three minutes of self-care. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. When are you selfish? When am I selfish? Well, it's easy for me to be selfish because I'm single and I don't have kids. Mm. Right. So, and I remember my mom used to tell me when I was a kid, she's like, stop your mental masturbating. Cause I'd be in my thoughts all the time. And what's this made about me? Right. And I, at the time I was really mad at her. Now I'm like, she was absolutely right. And my mental masturbating, my concept, how does this work? Why is this not working? Why is this happening? Is what brought me to here. Cause I'm always looking for tools. I'm always looking for reframes. I'm always looking for ways. And I pass those ways on to other people. Yeah. So my selfish, because when we're full, we spread love my selfish to love myself more and take care of myself more, I then give to as many people as I can. What I glean from it. I love that. I'm going to put stop your mental masturbating on a shirt. And right. <laughs> <laughs> right? my favorite thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Thanks, um, <Mom. laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> what do you find yourself overthinking about? How to be better? Am I doing this right? Good one. Um, it's it's my pre seven, and it's the biggest default I've got. It's like, mm-hmm. is this, am I right? Is this okay? Am I doing it right? Could I do it better? It's my default. Yeah. So much compassion, all oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> what is a should you have let go of? I should vacuum every week. <laughs> Thank you for giving that one to me. I need to tell myself that. <laughs> you don't need to. It would be very helpful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what makes you quick to get angry? When people try to cross my boundaries. Good one. I've worked on them long enough. I'm like, oh no, fuck you. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's completely free. No, 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 no. <laughs> especially when i state the boundary and they're like but yeah, when they push after and you're like no yes. <laughs> take my okay. no for an answer please thank yes. you <laughs> yes yeah yeah Ridiculous. what are you afraid of i'm always afraid of failing sure you know 
or I'm afraid if I'm working with somebody, I will not be the person they need to best help them. And then they'll never go to another therapist to coach in their entire life. And their whole life will be ruined because of me. <laughs> Do we have the same brain? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, it's so relatable. <laughs> what do you not have empathy for? I don't have empathy. Well, that's a hard question. I work on empathy so much. Like I was going to say, I don't have empathy for people who are cruel, mm-hmm. like to people or animals, but also I realize they're only cruel because they were hurt. It doesn't yeah. excuse it. It doesn't make it okay. Mm-hmm. But I... I've worked so much on that that I, my after I'm like, oh, you are a jerk. I will go, wow, they must have been so hurt and they have yeah. not gotten out of it. They are stuck in hurt and it has to pass. So they make me the most angry. But empathy is becoming one of my superpowers. I love that answer, to be honest with you. I think it's a really good like spin on it and way to recognize it because it is so true. Because again, it goes back to the idea of needing to find the root of the problem. And if you can recognize that through empathy, I think that's a really, like you say, great superpower. Yeah. 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 Now I'm not always that way, but I'm working, my, I'm doing better and better and better. <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> exactly. I'm on my way to San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) If you could give one piece of advice to someone trying to improve themselves or become more well than toxic, what advice would you give them? Should, must, have to, need. Stop those words. Stop those words. That is such a powerful one. I love that. And it's simple. Completely. Completely. Where can people find you? My website is everydaylove.me. And if you sign up for my love notes, and actually I will send you a copy. Please. You get a free PDF of my book. Um, blanking on the title. Everything is perfect, just not me, a roadmap to self-compassion. And it's basically the basic tools I use with all my clients. And I'm sorry, you get a free PDF of that? Yeah, you, you can buy it on Amazon, but you get free PDF if you sign up. Oh my God, I love it. Where can you find the book if, if you wanted the physical copy? Amazon. Amazon, did you just say that? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jane. I so I'm much sorry. appreciate it. Oh my I, God. You... I loved this conversation. Me too. You've given me so many mindset shifts and I, I, I know that you've given them to my listeners too. So I just, I appreciate you endlessly. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to share with you, um, it is so heartening to me that you are learning and spreading this stuff at, at such a much younger age than I did. Like I started my journey at around 40 into self-love. Okay. So I am just thrilled out of my mind that you are where you are now and on your path to San Francisco. Like you started way early in the morning than I did. So that you're the rest of your life is going to be better because of it sooner. So bless you. I'm thrilled to see it. I can't tell you how much that fills me up. I really appreciate that a lot. Thank you. It's really, it makes me... Be your failure makes me feel less afraid of the future. So <laughs> thank you.